No my hide in my hotaka. Welcome to the panel on RNZ National. Today, Stuart Nash stripped from all his ministerial portfolios but remains an MP. Prime Minister Chris Hipkins said he had asked the Cabinet Press Secretary to conduct a review of correspondence between Stuart Nash and his donors. And if you live in Napier, I'd like your views on this. Should Stuart Nash remain your MP or not? Please get in touch. Text me 2101. Teachers and principals are warning they cannot cope with the pace and scale of changes to the school system. A litany of changes, curriculum, a review of teacher aid funding, new NCEA standards, a national push to improve attendance, just a handful of many. Is it just too much change? 20,000 people sign a petition to save Auckland's Citizen Advice Bureau. It was delivered yesterday. Uh, Kate Anderson is the General Manager of Citizens Advice Bureau Auckland and is meeting with the Mayor about now, actually. We have the latest for you at 4.30 on that. And we talked to a person who's lived off-grid for nearly 30 years. What's that like? And an email came through the, to the panel. says, I paid $100 to go to the Counting Crows. And people kept talking through it. I know. Have you had that at a concert? People chatting, counting crows or otherwise. It's a disgrace, isn't it? Text me, 2101. You can email the panel at rnz.co.nz. With us this afternoon, it's been a long time, but here she is, Ruth Money, Victims' Rights Advocate. Kia ora. Kia ora. Has been a long time. Where have you been? It's lovely to be back. Uh, Mahi, mahi and more mahi. But nice to have you here anyway. It's lovely to be also here. Also with us is David Cormack. He's Managing Director of the Draper Cormack Group, former Green Party staff member and one of the stars of a series on the murky world of lobbying on RNZ. David, welcome. Kia ora, thanks for that, Wallace. Can I just get out there that my bit had nothing to do with lobbying? Thanks. What do you mean? Well, my bit was about... Is it communications? Yeah, my bit was about comms right. and media advice to a specific agency. We are one of the few countries, while, while you're here, can I just bring it up? We're one of the few countries that don't have a lobbying register, whether what you did was lobbying a comms. Uh, we don't know what you people do. As a lobbyist slash comms, would you put your hand up and support a lobby register? Yeah, absolutely. What I would a- too. It's transparency. Yeah, 100%. Put, put the sunlight on things. Okay. Cause, well, yeah. well cause, I mean, yep. everything kind of operates under a sort of a trust model, right? Like we have to rely on, I don't know, our doctors haven't been corrupted by big pharmaceutical companies to prescribe particular drugs and treatment because we trust them to do it, right? And it's the same for every industry. So anything you can do to increase trust in an industry is a positive in my view. There we go. A lobby register, we'll bring that up again, uh, has to happen, says David Cormack, or at least support it. Now, there exists in Dunedin a rather unusual clock on the third floor of the physics department at the University of Otago, the Beverly Clock, as it's called. It has been running more or less by itself since it was built in 1864. That's right, no batteries, no solar power. Over 160 years old, still going strong. And I wanted to know about this amazing clock. So, Miles Taylor has been the clock's caretaker for the last 15 years. Miles, lovely to have you on the programme. Hello, Wallace. How are you today? Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm very, very well. I would like to know more about the Beverly Clock. Who was it made by, Miles? 
So it was made by Arthur Beverley. Um, he was a chap who was born in Scotland and um, after a stint on the gold fields in Australia came to Dunedin um, oh, about 1858, I think. And um, he'd done a few things before. He'd been an apprentice to um, a watchmaker in, in um, uh, Aberdeen and, um, and there he'd uh, learned to make uh, lenses. And uh, so when he came to Dunedin, he set up business as a clockmaker and and watchmaker. And, um, right. So I'm looking at it, and it's kind of it kind of looks like a grandfather clock, not exactly, but a little bit like it. Describe how is it able to keep running? Right. Well, the clock itself is just a standard uh, pendulum clock. It's got a horizontal pendulum, so it means that the the pendulum rotates backwards and forwards on a uh, a piece of spring steel, and um, but the, 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 the feature that's interesting about the clock is that it keeps itself wound by means of um, atmospheric pressure. And um, so pressure and temperature variations um, cause a sealed box, which has got some oil and uh, about one cubic foot of air in it, uh, to expand and contract, and that winds the clock. So it keeps itself wound. Largely. That's extraordinary. Isn't that great? Isn't this great science, Ruth? Miles, I think there's something to do with the temperature down there because all of my family around the Catlins, <laughs> they live for a very long time. Right, yes. Um, well, um, Beverly was the first person to, do, to rigorously sort of calculate how much uh, temperature variation he would need to keep his clock wound. And so um, he worked out that it would be six degrees Fahrenheit, which is you know about three and a half degrees C. Wow. And... Um, and in Dunedin, we don't have much trouble getting that variation. <laughs> no, ah. you do not. <laughs> <laughs> uh, David, pretty uh, extraordinary invention here. Um, still going strong, 160 years plus. Reminds me of a song we used to sing at primary school, My Grandfather's Clock, um, which <laughs> actually always just depresses me now because I realise that the song's about a grandfather that died. But oh. I think that this clock should be, you know, rolled out all over the country. It'll Maybe be fantastic. Maybe change the lyrics. Beverly's Clock. Beverly's Clock. Uh, there, there might be a point to that, Miles. Get it out of the third floor of the physics department and put it on a road show because here's the deal. People are fascinated by perpetual motion, aren't they? They are. But it's also quite a delicate piece of um, equipment, oh. and um, it, uh, moving it is, is a bit of a, um, an issue. Um, I have been uh, around when it has been moved, and you've got to be particularly careful. So it's always going to be there? Yes, it's, it's not really a portable device. <laughs> It's not a Beverly watch. It's, <laughs> it's not a Beverly watch. <laughs> so th- can I ask you this, Miles? Theoretically, could this clock run forever? Yes, theoretically it could. Oh my God. Of course it doesn't, but it, yes, theoretically it, it would run forever. The uh, changes in atmospheric pressure and temperature would keep it going. I hope there's a succession plan going on, Miles. Yes, not that right. I wish you any ill will, but you know we need no, to no, make no, sure no, that no, the no, clock's no. okay. In fact, I've retired already, and uh, there is another technician. (laughs) (laughs) Just finally, Miles, um, I guess the question that um, we all want to know, does this near perpetual motion, the one of of its kind in Aotearoa, does this Beverly clock keep good time? Yes, pretty good. (laughs) For a a clock of its its sort, it's it's got 
got several adjustments on it, and um, and you can arrange it so that I think at one stage we had it um, running, and it was um, gaining or losing only about um, five seconds a day or so. Wow. So you know that's pretty pretty for one of that. Uh, clock like that, that's pretty good. All the very best, Miles. It's lovely to have an insight into this uh, pretty fantastic clock at uh, Otago University. Uh, that's Miles there, and that's uh, the Beverly Clock, a clock near perpetual motion. Uh, a lot of people coming through about talking at gigs. The support duo for Jin Wigmore and Nelson came down into the audience after their act and talked all through Jin's performance and stood in front of a little person and just kept talking. <gasps> Another one here, I went to see the piano. Uh, a group of Germans were in the row behind me. One of them translated the whole movie into the German for the others. It ruined it. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> That's not a no good experience. No talking at gigs yeah. and no talking in the movies. It doesn't That's matter what nationality you are no. when you go and see the piano. Don't talk uh, over the piano. All right, time for I've been thinking we have Ruth Money and David Cormack uh, today. Ruth, what's your IBT? Well, I want to mahi and acknowledge all of the healthcare workers. Uh, my darling friend Louise was diagnosed with a terminal cancer not so long ago, and I have been spending a lot of time um, looking after her and helping her on this journey. And whether it's a pharmacist who cuts the pills in half and doesn't charge us and wishes us well to the people in the car park, to the nurses, to the doctors, to the specialists. I want to acknowledge you. I want to know or want you to know that you are appreciated and valued and I don't think you get enough of that. I love it. Mm. I really, really do because uh, hard to even imagine how difficult the journey is for your friend. But having those people who come in, with a smile, a conversation, it's uh, just just treating you uh, normally. As a, just normally yeah. and not making a big deal out of it. Am I yeah, right? That's exactly right. It's the humanity. And I mean, I see a lot of humanity. I also see a lot of inhumanity yes. in my world. But the healthcare workers, the sector is full of amazing, amazing people. They're not on Twitter out there. They're not, you know, blogging or Facebooking or annoying people, they're too busy. They're too busy doing and keeping the community going and I just want to acknowledge everything you are doing. We should pay them more, eh? Oh, absolutely we should pay them more. Absolutely we should pay them more. They they literally are keeping our community going. There are, there are people from all walks yep. of life, ages, stages, ethnicities sitting in those waiting rooms and I see more humanity in those rooms than I do on a daily basis anywhere wow. else. It's amazing. Kia ora, Ruth. There'll be thousands listening to this afternoon mm. who will resonate with what you've just said right there. You can yeah. get in touch. 2101, email the panel at rnz.co.nz. All right, uh, David Cormack, I've been thinking. Um, I'm, you know, getting closer to 40. Um, my wife's already there because she's old. But what I've found is since becoming like a proper adult, it's it's way harder and weirder to make new friends, right? Like when you're a kid, you're like, oh, you like the color blue. Let's be best friends. And then as you get older, you become a lot more discerning. And then also your couch becomes a lot more attractive versus actually going out and doing things with people. Um, and so it's hard. But, you know, in the last few years, Kim and I have actually met a series of people through having kids and various other functions. And I've found that some of the friendships I've made in my 30s have actually sort of been deeper and more meaningful uh, than some of the ones that I made when I was younger. Not to say that the friends that I made when I was younger are dicks, because they're not. I love most of you. Uh, but yeah, it's just it's such an interesting shift that occurs when you 
when you become older. You know, Wallace, you're old. Thank you, David, for that. Wow. Thank you. He's but, got a blue uh, shirt uh, on, though. <laughs> no, I, I, in, a, in a rare moment of uh, agreement with David Cormack, it actually is something that I've been thinking about because the inertia of the couch, and we've got a very nice couch at home, mm. uh, very nice. Uh, it's very hard to get off. And I just realised, I looked around one day and goes, who are my real friends? Mm. Because I We're work. friends, Wallace. Well, we're not. Well, you were just a bit you, mean mate. to him. Uh, you just called him old. Um, we we may meet one day, David, and we might sort of share a, a cup of tea or a, a pint. But for now, you do say, Ruth, who are my friends? It's a valid yeah. question, you know, as you get older. And, and the couch, you know, you, you're working hard morning through night. It, the couch does seem attractive. Yeah. <laughs> um, it is harder to, and I guess that's yep. what you're saying, David. You At least you're, uh, well, you're out and about meeting people through different ways. Yes. Childcare, et cetera, so... Very good, very good, both. Thank you for that. Uh, now, uh, I saw Lou Reed at the Royal Albert Hall when he started singing A Perfect Day. A New Zealander in the front row took a call on his mobile. Oh, my goodness. How about that? The panel. <laughs> Could you have your phone on? <laughs>